30 years ago, I was a college student. I was on a missionary trip to Zimbabwe, Africa, uh, working with a great group of people, teaching them about Jesus and helping develop leaders who would lead home studies. One of the highlights of the summer was we, we got a chance, our team got a chance to take a break and we went on a, a rafting trip on the Zambezi River. I'd never been rafting before, but, but what was interesting about this was uh, it was a unique place to experience this. We, we asked if we could jump in the water. He said, I didn't think that was a, a good idea. The still areas of the water were where the hippos and the crocodiles were. We decided staying in the boat was a very good idea. But as we, we uh, took off on our, our journey, uh, we, we had a, a, a lot of thrills, a lot of fun. But we came to this one spot where he pulled over to the side and he showed us this one deep rapid. He'd, he'd never been able to, uh, to make it through that rapid. He'd always gone around or picked up the boat and left. Uh, but, but through a little bit of egging on, and I don't think we really understood what we were saying, we, we encouraged him, hey, come on, this is the time, we can do it. Uh, we were overly confident, even though most of us had never rafted before. Uh, he thought he'd go just close enough to give us a look, but not actually do it, but he got too close. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves being pulled into this very deep rapid that went straight down, then straight up. And, and as the boat went straight up, all I remember is watching the boat begin to fall backwards on top of me. The eight people that were in the boat other than myself all fell on top of me, pushing me down to the bottom of the river. I can still remember opening my eyes underwater, looking up and seeing the, the feet kicking over me and thinking to myself, this is where I die. I, I knew I couldn't swim straight up because everyone was fighting to get up to the surface. And so I, I did the best I could to swim to the other side of the raft. And all of a sudden I felt what felt like a hand from heaven literally grab my vest and pull me to the sky. It was our, our boat driver and he had already found himself on top of the raft. He grabbed me by the vest. He threw me on top. I was the first one. I remember just holding on and thinking, I'm going to live. We began to help everyone else find their way to safety. But it, strange enough, I, it wasn't the first time I was rescued. Uh, the, the, the first time I was rescued maybe is not as exciting to hear about, but it came six years earlier. I was at a church summer camp and it was the first time I'd ever been to a, a church summer camp. I was invited here by this church and I was at Thousand Pines and on a Tuesday night, I heard the life of Jesus explained. And as the night came to an end, I, I could hear the whisper in my heart of Jesus himself saying, Bill, will you follow me? And as the song began to play, I walked up past 300 students. I walked to the front of that chapel, I knelt down and everything changed. There was this rescue in my life. I was saved. I was, I was set free. I, was, I was, began this life with Jesus. I didn't totally understand it at the time, but I find it kind of fascinating that here I am 36 years later, being able to tell you about the rescue of Jesus. We've been doing this series about how God rewrites our stories, and we're looking at all these individuals and how God has been changing their story. But, but today I want to think about something broader. I want to think about humanity. How has Jesus and his work on the cross changed and, and how is he rewriting the story of humanity? I, I, we know this, there's a problem in this world with sin, with death, with, with the powers of evil. We feel this, we sense this. We, these are the things that we know capture our heart often. But let me give you a big idea of something that God is doing. That Jesus has rescued humanity from sin and death and the powers of darkness. 
from sin and death and these powers of darkness. We know that Jesus, the son of God, God himself has, he humbled himself. He entered into this world. He took on flesh like us, became a man, became a servant as scripture says, and gave up his life on the cross. Jesus said that his mission was not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. That through his life, we would be freed. And I want to explore that together today. What is it that Jesus won for us? So how did he free us? What did he free us from? And so let me invite you to turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and starting at verse 28, we're going to look at a couple of verses and listen to Jesus on the cross declaring the victory that he's won. You remember this, that he, he uh, uh, set his face towards Jerusalem. He set his face towards the cross. He entered in. And while they championed him as king on Sunday, by Friday he was uh, he had been arrested. He had been tried with, with false testimony. He'd been beaten and scourged. And he had been nailed to a cross. And verse 28 says this, as he came to the end of that grueling day. It says, later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. And so they soaked a sponge in it, put the the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In this moment, John brings us face to face with his humanity, his suffering, his thirst. But John is doing more than that. He's drawing your eye to the the word, the hyssop. Uh, the same thing that was used all the way back in the Exodus, that they were to take a stalk from the hyssop, they were to dip it in the blood of the lamb, they were to spread it on the doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over them. They would be rescued. And now John has taken us back to the very beginning of his gospel, chapter one, where he says that Jesus is the, is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is showing this in this moment and, and he wants your attention to be on, these, on this last word that he says. It, it is, he is taking this drink, clearing his throat, and triumphantly shouting a victory call. It is finished. One final word in Greek, it is tetelestai. It is finished. This final word that Jesus says, and then he gives up his spirit Not, I am finished. It is finished. It it seems in some ways that Jesus has come to his breaking point, but what we hear instead is Jesus is saying, no, this is the moment I break those powers. The power of sin and death and darkness do not have to hold you any longer. And so, for the next few minutes, can we just explore what it was? Why could Jesus in that moment cry out with victory? It is finished. What did he accomplish for you? We see this at the cross, sin was defeated. 
sin was defeated. We know that one of the most important themes in the scriptures as we read page after page is the idea that, that the Savior will forgive us of our sins. He will bring about the forgiveness of our sins. And so we see all kinds of words all throughout the scriptures. Words like forgive or wipe out, cleanse, cover, pardon. All of these words speak to what he's doing on the cross. The prophets say that he's pierced for our transgressions. Uh, Jeremiah says that God will forgive their wickedness. He will remember their sins no more. All these things from start to finish, we see very clearly the mission of the Savior to bring about the forgiveness of sins. Uh, one of, one of the, the big words, one of the big theological words maybe you'll hear is that you become justified. Uh, meaning that through his work on the cross and as he raises from the dead, that God's verdict against you is now transferred to his verdict for you. Uh, where you were deserving a penalty, you now, what, what floods into your life is God's, God, God's fullness, his right, the righteousness of Jesus into your account. We're restored uh, at the cross, that we were alienated, we were at war, but, but God himself is working to bring about peace. He's redeeming us. He is rescuing us. He is paying for our sin in full. Kim and I recently celebrated 29 years of marriage, but within two years of our marriage, we were in deep trouble. We were in deep trouble with our finances. Uh, we didn't take FPU uh, like many of you should, if you haven't already, and many of you have, but we did not know how to manage money. And I didn't make very much money. Uh, and we were deep, deep in debt. It, it was our, our second Christmas together. And after the gifts were done, Kim's dad pulled us aside he took us privately in a room and he said, I have one final gift to give you. And with that, he gave us this picture frame. And this picture frame inside of it was every bill we owed, every debt we had amassed. It was beyond us. We, we did not have the power to pay these things off at, at the rate we were, uh, it, that we could afford it. It would take us uh, our, our, our lifetime. But if you look up close, if you scan in close of this picture, you see these words of a, of a loving father who took on himself a debt that he didn't deserve to take on. It wasn't his debt, but out of his love, Kim's dad. And I don't know, think he knew that he was writing these words, how powerful these words are. Paid in full. The debt is gone. These powers over you don't have power anymore. It was both humbling and freeing at the same time. I, it was, I think about it on a day like today, Father's Day. What an amazing gift of a father to, to love in this way and to rescue in this way. And, and we felt very unworthy of it. What is finished is sin's power over us. It has been paid in full. That debt does not have to be counted against you any longer. And if sin's power is defeated, Jesus can say to us, come, follow me. Come with me. You don't have to be burdened by the, by the power of sin any longer. 
But, but second, I want you to see this, that at the cross, the power of darkness was defeated. At the cross, the powers of darkness are defeated. And one of the key themes that we see in the scripture is that we are redeemed. Uh, Jesus says that our ransom has been paid. It, it, it is speaking of the idea of being freed from being enslaved. And, and so we know that there's this way that we are uh, held by this world. We're held in this bondage. But at, in the work on the cross, when he calls out, it is finished. He pays that price. And, and it's, a, it's the ransom price for our freedom. And Colossians 2 says it this way, that not just did he free us, but he defeated those powers. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Not just a victory, but parading them in defeat, making them a public spectacle. There's a victory now and there's a victory to come. And we see this. We see in some ways that these powers are trying to still muster up to some last-ditch effort. They're, they're, they feel cornered. They know they're defeated. Maybe in some ways, one of the best ways it's been described is this. Uh, Michael Bird shares an analogy of how Christians live now and not yet in this victory. And he says, in some ways, it's the way to think about, as we celebrated earlier in this month, D-Day. And, and the way that we think of D-Day versus what's called VE Day of World War II, that, that, that there was this battle that was won. The victory was secured. And then came later the formal surrender. Now, what the allies called VE Day. This is the day that is still to come. The, the victory has been won. The battle, the biggest battle has been won. And now the victory is coming. The final victory is still to come and to be enjoyed. And at the cross, Sin was defeated. These powers were defeated. But I want you to see one last thing. And I think even for us in this season of COVID and everything else that we see, maybe most importantly, that the power of death, at the cross, death is defeated. See, the cross appears to show that death has taken its next victim. But, 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 and we know this, none of us will escape death. But just before this, Jesus had declared that he is the resurrection and the life, that whoever believes in him will never die. Now, those are powerful words, and, but if he remains in the, in the tomb, if he turns into dust, then, then death still owns us, as uh, inspiring as those words are. The sacrifice is only symbolic. But as chapter 19 comes to an end, you can flip the page and you can see beginning in chapter 20 that that darkness is replaced with light. Story after story after story in the next two chapters are about his resurrection, about his reigning, about his power over death. He appears to Mary and to the women. He appears to the disciples. He appears to Thomas. He, he restores Peter from his failure and the other disciples. They, they come together. And John shares story after story after story. And I love what he says in, in uh, the next chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 31. He says, all these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. 
The very first creed of the Christians most believe went something like this. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15 that he was, he was crucified, that he died for our sins, just as the scriptures say he, he would, that he was buried, but that he, he rose from the grave just as the scriptures said he would, and that he now rules and that he reigns, that he is the king, and that in him is abundant life everlasting eternal out of his sheer grace. We are offered this life with him. And we find this life as we turn to him. He's done the work for us. And he just simply says, as he said to me decades ago, will you follow me? Will you come to me? All of you who are tired, all of you who are weary, all of you who are trying to fight sin on your own or trying to fight the the evil of this world on your own, all of you who are trying to defeat death on your own, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you life. This morning, I wanna ask you, do you know him? Do you walk with him? Uh, This morning, I know for some of you, as we've been going through this series, that today is the day that he rewrites your story. And so let me ask, have you put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord? Have you put your faith in him? Jesus gives his life on the cross, but now he rules and he reigns and he's coming again. And it's very powerful for us to, to see what happens. And here's what I know. Listen to me for a moment, dads. Here's what I know from my own family. Nothing transforms the power of a dad's life more than coming to Jesus and letting him change your life. I've watched this in the life of my own father. I never knew how I would share my new faith with my dad. But when I watched my dad come to a place of faith, what I began to see is everything changed. From our life apart from Christ and the chaos that came, as my dad gave his life to Jesus, God began to restore and redeem and bring peace and bring life. And the one who I never knew if he would ever come to Jesus, he now shares Jesus all over the world with the Jesus Film Project. Nothing will change you more. Nothing will help you become uh, the the father you're meant to be than to turn your life to the one who created you and who's rescued you and who wants to redeem you. And I I see this in our life. And John Calvin once said this, uh, the power of this, this good news of what he has done for us, who he is and what he's done. We call this the gospel or good news. And he says this, he says that without the gospel, everything is useless and vain. Without the gospel, we are not Christians. Without the gospel, all riches are poverty, all wisdom, folly before God. Strength is weakness. And all the justice of man is under the condemnation of God. But, but listen for a moment and just lean in a, a, a little closer. But he says this, this is what the gospel does. This is what this, this good news of what Jesus has done for humanity, what it does is that through this work and through his life, we are made children of God, brothers of Jesus, fellow townsmen with the saints, 
citizens of the kingdom of heaven, heirs of God with Jesus Christ, by whom the rich are made poor, the weak strong, the fools wise, the sinner justified, the desolate comforted, the doubting sure and slaves free. It is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. And it follows that every good thing we could think or desire is to be found in the name of Jesus Christ alone. And why is this so important? Because what Jesus has done, what Jesus has won, what Jesus has rescued you from, when we turn our eyes in Jesus, we see that for us, he was sold so that we could be bought back. Uh, He became a captive to deliver us. He was condemned to absolve us. He was made a curse for our blessing a sin offering for our righteousness, marred that we might be made fair. He died for our life. So that in him, fury made gentle, wrath appeased, darkness turned into light, fear reassured, debt canceled, labor lightened, sadness made merry, misfortune made fortunate, difficulty easy, disordered ordered, division united, rebellion subjected, intimidation, intimidated, ambush uncovered, assaults assailed, forced, forced back, combat, combated, war, warred against, vengeance, avenged, torment, tormented, damnation, damned, the abyss sunk into the abyss, hell transfixed, death dead, and mortality made immortal. In short, John Calvin says, His mercy swallowed up all misery and goodness and misfortune. So I ask you again, have you put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord? In a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer where you can do that very thing. But but maybe just a second, just to say this, my Christian brothers and sisters, are you living in that salvation? Are you living as a rescued person? Let me share one last uh, great dad story about Kim's dad. Uh, We had come together for another Christmas and it was a strange moment for me. I'd never kind of seen something like this, but he basically, he backed up a moving truck into the driveway. Beep, beep, beep comes the moving truck in and all of a sudden it opens up and all these gifts. It was like like an Oprah Winfrey show. You get a video camera, you get a video camera. I mean, it was just lavishness among lavishness, all these great gifts. It was an incredible experience of him lavishing on us all these gifts and he was just delighted to give them to us. Now imagine at the end of that, I took all those gifts, placed them back in the truck, moved the truck, parked it in my driveway. You ask me, hey, how was your Christmas? I say, it was unreal. The gifts that were given are incredible. Well, can I see them? Well, they're in that truck. And some great day, I will open that truck and I will enjoy these gifts that have been given by my father. Now, now I know this seems kind of silly in some sense, but I, I want you to think about this, that some of us think about this life with God as something that we will really experience later. But salvation and eternal life mean never ending. It's a life that is meant to begin now. And so my Christian brother and sister, are you living free as a child of God, enjoying that identity and experiencing the intimacy of a good father? 
Are, are, are you living free from the power of sin and addiction and, and, and any of these, of these deceptive forces? Coming alongside like so many of our people in Celebrate Recovery and others who are saying, I do not have to be held by these things any longer. Are you entrusting your life to him and joining him in the project he has of redeeming this world and experiencing the thrill of what it is to see others rescued? Are you living in this salvation today? This is our invitation to you, Christian brothers and sisters. Let's live out this rescued life. And for those of you who are watching who've never come, you've never in essence come and bowed before him in your heart and said, I need you. And what you have done for humanity, I need you to do for me. And I wanna lead you in a prayer for just this. And so let's bow together. And if this morning you want to give your life to Jesus, you wanna experience the power of his salvation. I wanna lead you in a prayer that's not magic, um, but it just simply maybe helps you express your heart wherever you are. Uh, as you hear God say to you, will you come to me? Will you let me rescue you? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, come, come and save me. Rescue me from sin Give me the eternal life, the, the, the power over death and, and, and free me from the powers of, these world, of this world. Uh, today, Lord, I, I turn from the way I'm going and I, I give my life to you. I wanna follow you. I wanna learn from you. I want to experience your life now and forever. And so the best I understand and the best I can believe, I, I, I place this, small amount of belief in your hands. And I ask, Lord, make me yours. Amen. Those of you who've prayed this, we would love for you on the, on the chat feature. If you're watching on Church Online, you can hit the button that says, I've committed my life to Jesus today. It would help if you'd give us your name and your email when it, when it prompts you for that. We just wanna help you. Uh, your next step in this is to, to follow the Lord and to, to follow him. Even part of that is to be baptized. And, and soon enough, we will have baptisms again to declare to the world, this is who we are and this is what we believe. But let's close together singing out this song, declaring victory, just as Jesus declared victory. Let's in this last song, declare the victory that we have salvation. We have been rescued. We have life. Let's sing this final song.